0: John chapter 8, verses 30 to 59. As he, Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of God remains forever. Have you ever witnessed a debate that became so intense that it turned into a shouting match? We often see this in like political debates, right? The voices rise, then the hand gestures become more animated as the opponents argue passionately about a controversial issue. And then one of the politicians accuses the other of being dishonest and not knowing the true facts. The moderator tries to intervene, but it only adds to the chaos And as both sides try to speak over one another, it just becomes a lot more confusing. And as the debate drags on, the personal attacks become more frequent and hostile. That kind of reminds me of what we see here in this text. Jesus shares some hard words with his hearers, and all of a sudden, this intense debate begins. And it escalates to the point of where these Jews who believed in him pick up stones to throw at him. And yet the heart behind this whole interaction was Jesus trying to clarify what it truly means to be one of his followers. Jesus isn't out to try to prove himself or to win an argument. He has come to tell the truth. And offer salvation to people who were living in darkness and blind to the things of God. And in this text, Jesus makes that great statement. It's one of like, the most famous sayings of Jesus. Outside of Christianity, outside the church, people are familiar with that statement. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And while this statement is well-known, it's often misunderstood and misused. Jesus is talking about a specific truth that can only bring true freedom. So there's a lot of ground to cover. It's a long text. And so I've separated uh, this text into three sections that will hopefully help you follow what's going on in this passage. And so each section that I've laid out here is a question that you can be asking yourself as we go along. So in verses 30 to 38, the question to ask is, are you a slave or are you free? Are you a slave or are you free? And then in verses 39 to 47, who is your father? And then verses 48 to 59, who is Jesus? Jesus. So, are you a slave or are you free? Who is your father and who is Jesus? And the main point, what I hope you see in the text this morning, is this that those who abide in Jesus' words gain freedom, a father, and a savior. Those who abide in Jesus' words gain freedom a father, and a savior. And so as we begin, consider who Jesus is speaking to in this passage. He's explained to the Jews who were listening to him that unless they believe in him, that they would die in their sins, right? We saw that last week. And in verse 30, John writes this. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. And in verse 31, we see Jesus taking the opportunity to speak to these people, those who believed in him. In the Gospel of John, there are true disciples and there are false disciples. We see lots of people follow Jesus. Many profess to believe in him. And yet, as we saw back in chapter 6, as soon as Jesus shares some difficult words, that great multitude, who John calls the disciples— What do they do? They go away. There are people who are intrigued with Jesus, but they are more like fans of Jesus than they are followers. And so in verse 31, Jesus challenges these people on what it truly means to be a follower of him. He says, if you are truly my disciples, if you want to be a disciple of me, then abide in my word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's many things we can talk about. We could basically spend our whole time here on just this passage. Think about it. Jesus is distinguishing between true disciples and hypocrites. True disciples and false disciples. And the distinguishing mark of a true disciple is that they abide. That they remain. That they continue in his word. The mark of discipleship is perseverance. It's not just hearing Jesus' word or being interested for a little while, but abiding, remaining, Building your life on what Jesus says. So what does it look like to abide in Jesus' word? Well, it means to to read it often. It means to meditate on it. It means to obey it. To allow it to speak into your life. To go back to it when you've failed and you've sinned against God. It means to share it with others. And just to be clear here, Jesus is not only talking about the red letters that you have in some of your Bibles. I'm thankful that Bible publishers recently have chosen to stop publishing so many red letter Bibles because all of scripture, the whole Bible is Christ's words. Christ is speaking throughout the whole Bible and the whole Bible points to him. And so when Jesus says that his true disciples abide in his word, he is talking about them abiding in all of scripture, all that it says. But you may be asking, how, how does the truth of Jesus' word set people free? How does the truth set people free? Well, Proverbs 5.22 says that a wicked man is held fast in the cords of sin. And so those who abide in the word will find that the Bible speaks to them. It will argue with them. The Bible will warn them and free them from the cords of their own sin. And this freedom that Jesus offers is not this once-and-done moment of freedom. It's an ongoing thing. The gospel will continue to work in you, producing more and more spiritual freedom. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What a great promise. But there's a challenge here. The challenge with this is that the truth is not always welcomed. We're not always looking to hear the truth. We're not always looking to be confronted by the truth. Sometimes the truth comes into conflict about the assumptions that we have about reality. Sometimes the truth comes into conflict with the patterns that we've built around our own lives. And and that's what's happening in our text this morning. Jesus is speaking truth, and it's coming into conflict with what these Jews believe about themselves. Jesus says amazing words in verses 31 and 32. What an amazing promise to those who abide in him. And yet those who just started believing in him get so angry. Did you see that in the text? In verse 33, they don't respond with truth, freedom. We've been waiting for you to say this, Jesus. Tell us more. That's not what they say. No, they respond with dismissal, with questioning and hostility because they are blind. By nature, all men are in darkness and they don't want to face the light of the gospel. Unless the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, overcomes your and my resistance to the word of God, we simply are not going to believe. Look at verse 33. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They say, what? Slavery? Us? Their their response is kind of ironic, because if you think about it, these were the Jewish people, right? All throughout their history, they, they were enslaved in Egypt. They were carried into captivity in Babylon, and they're currently under Roman occupation. And they're saying, we've never been enslaved by anyone. These were the people who just said, Jesus, we believe in you, And now they're saying, who do you think you are? How dare you tell us that we need to be set free? These believers are already demonstrating their unwillingness to hold to Jesus' words. Jesus hits a nerve. And and as we've seen before, Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level, right? And they're thinking on a physical level. These Jews are enslaved, and they don't realize it. They don't recognize their need for the freedom that Jesus brings. And so Jesus clarifies what he means. You see that in verse 34? He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. Jesus says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The Bible teaches that everyone is a sinner. Psalm 51, David writes that we were born sinners. Romans chapter three, all have turned aside. No one does good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This means everyone besides Jesus has been a slave to sin. We're born into this world, not just as people who from time to time sin, but we are born sinners. Do you understand the difference between those two things? We're not just good people who make mistakes. We are born into this world, and apart from the sovereign grace of God, there is no hope for being anything other than a sinner. Not a good person who messes up, but a sinner who sins. And as Jesus says here, a slave. It's our nature, it's our identity. It's who we are outside of Christ. It's bondage. While these Jews thought that their religion and relationship to Abraham united them to God, Jesus pointed out that they clearly had no relationship to God because they were slaves to sin. Talk about a hard word, right? And yet that's exactly what we need to hear. Because God is not going to give us the medicine that we need unless He first reveals to us the real disease that we have. We look at this passage and we think, wow, Jesus says some really hard things here. But keep in mind, Jesus wants these people to become true disciples of Him. He knows what's in man. He knows what they need to hear. In order to be saved, you need to know what you need to be saved from. In order to be free, you need to know what you need to be freed from. Jesus has come to bring freedom to those who are slaves to sin, and this is good news. Hear this amazing gospel promise that the the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Ready for it? So you are no longer a slave, but a son and if a son, then an heir through God. The doctrine of adoption is one of the most precious doctrines that we find in the Bible. God takes those who reject him, those who were slaves to sin, and he redeems them in Christ, and he brings them into his family, no longer slaves, but children of God. And so if you are here this morning with a deep sense of your sin, maybe you have a temper that you just can't control. Maybe you're, you've, you've been caught in some sexual sin that you cannot escape or some other sin that has control over you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He can free you from that slavery. Come to him, learn from him. He says, if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. What a promise. Jesus has gone to the cross. He went to the cross and died for the sins of those who believe in him. But not only that, he also gives those who believe in him the ability to say no to their sin. He gives freedom. True freedom isn't the ability to do whatever we want, but it's the ability to do what we should do. John 3, or 1 John 3, verse 6 says this, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. True followers of Jesus find freedom from their sin, and then they live lives that reject sin. Not perfectly, but as they abide, as the word convicts and exposes their sin, it reminds them of who they are in Christ, and the Spirit helps us to live lives of holiness rather than lives in sin. So Jesus points out to these Jews that they need to be freed from their slavery in sin. How about you this morning? Are you a slave to sin? Or have you experienced freedom? Are you a slave to sin? Or have you experienced Freedom. This leads us to our next section. Who is your father? Notice in verse 39, the Jews ramp it up. They say that Abraham is their father. We see them saying that all throughout this passage. Abraham is our father. We are the children of Abraham. Their identity is based on them being descended from Abraham. And so Jesus responds to them and says, if Abraham was your father, then you would be doing what." Abraham did. What did Abraham do? Well, Abraham believed. Abraham trusted in God. Abraham walked by faith. He obeyed. He was willing to even sacrifice his own son. He was hoping in Christ. How do we know that Abraham was hoping in Christ? At the end of this chapter, in verse 53, they ask, Are you greater than our father Abraham? And Jesus says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Think about that. Abraham lived thousands of years before. Abraham rejoiced that he would see Jesus' day and he saw it and he was glad. What Jesus is saying to these Jews If you were truly a son or daughter of Abraham, you would act like Abraham, right? Do you you see Jesus' argument here? What children do points to who their father is. There are many things that I do unintentionally because I saw my dad do it. I try to suppress the urge these days, but for a long time, I would jingle the car keys when I was ready to leave somewhere. It's kind of annoying, (laughs) We pick up these types of things from our fathers, though. But Jesus says here, the things that you are doing show that you are not Abraham's children. If they were, they would be receiving the words of Jesus. They would be believing in Jesus, but instead they're seeking to kill him because he was telling them the truth. Jesus is revealing to these Jews that just because they were descendants of Abraham doesn't mean that they had the saving faith that Abraham had. They were banking on Abraham for their salvation. They had this false sense of security that they were saved because of their connection to him. And sadly, many think the same things today. Just because your mom and dad are Christians or because you go to a Christian school because you attend church every Sunday, because you sit in the front row at Sunday school, because you attend youth group, it doesn't mean that you are a Christian. It's possible that there's someone in this room who's been going to church their whole life and yet have not come to terms that they are a slave to sin and that they need Jesus. Jesus makes it clear here in this passage that you are not okay Apart from a real relationship with Jesus, you are in bondage to sin. He says to these Jews who believed in him, you are not free and you are not children of Abraham. And then the conversation escalates. In verse 41, it seems like the Jews mock Jesus when they say, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. There might've been rumors going on around the birth of Jesus, and now they take opportunity to throw this in his face. They say, we weren't born of sexual immorality, but you were. Yikes. Think about that. They said that to the Son of God. How ironic, too. They say that God was their father, and yet, God was the father of the son that they were speaking to. They claimed to be Abraham's children. Jesus says that if they were, they would do what Abraham did. Now they claim to be God's children. And Jesus says in verse 42, if God were your father, then you would love me and rejoice that the father sent me. And telling them they were not children of Abraham wasn't bad enough. Jesus says not only is Abraham not your father? You don't have God as your father. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are all God's children. That's a lie. In John's gospel, we have seen that in order to become a son or daughter of God, we must be born again. No one is born a Christian No one is born naturally into God's family. We all must be born again. And in verse 43, Jesus asks a question and then he answers it. He says, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. These Jews would not listen to what Jesus had to say. They were unable to. This was proof that the Jews were not born again, but they were lost in their sins. Jesus has been hinting all throughout this interaction that the Jews have a different father. Right? Have you seen that? And then in verse 44, he drops the bomb. Look at verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said, Abraham isn't your father. God isn't your father, but you do have a father. Your father is the devil. He says that Satan is their father because they're just like him. They're seeking to kill Jesus and they're spreading lies. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. This points us back to Genesis chapter three. It was through a lie that the devil brought about death. God said to Adam and Eve that they could eat of all the trees in the garden except for one. And God said that if you ate of that tree, that you would surely die. And what does the serpent say to Eve? You will not surely die. He's a liar. And he is a murderer from the beginning. And Jesus says to these Jews, that they're not sons of Abraham. They're not sons of God, but they are sons of Satan That's a hard truth. We know plenty of people in our lives who are nice people. They may not be Christians, but they don't have pointy ears or they don't look like what we would consider to be children of Satan. They come over and they bring us food when we have a baby. They're nice moms and dads. They buy birthday presents for their children. They bring in their family members who get old and get sick. They volunteer their time to pick up trash throughout the community. R.C. Sproul said this, but by nature, we are Satan's willing slaves, volunteers in the kingdom of darkness. By nature, we love the darkness rather than the light. That's what sin is. Sin is not simply making bad choices or mistakes. Sin is having the desire in our hearts to do the will of the enemy of God. Jesus says, in opposing him, in wanting to get rid of him, make no mistake whose work you're doing. You're not doing the work of Abraham, you're not doing the work of God, you're doing the work of the devil. And Jesus Jesus and the devil are, are complete opposites, right? We know this, but John even kind of highlights this for us. He says, the devil speaks lies, right? And Jesus is the one who only speaks truth. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus is life and the giver of life. Think about this. When you tell a lie, That's the language of the devil. When you you want to get rid of Jesus, when you say, I don't need Jesus in my life, that is the work of the devil. When you don't bow to Jesus, when you don't worship Jesus, when you don't believe in Jesus, that is the work of the devil. It's a hard word that Jesus has for this crowd. It's a hard word that he may have for some of us in this room. It's possible that you are not free, that you are not a child of Abraham, that you are not a child of God this morning. So ask yourself who is your father? Are you a child of God? Do you love Jesus? Because if you don't, then that means you are a child of the devil. It's a hard truth. So why is Jesus speaking these challenging words? Why does Jesus say these things? Because ultimately he wants us to understand the truth about who he is and what he has come to do. In verses 48 to 59, we see the Jews rejecting Jesus. They're ready to kill him. They're lying about him, proving that they're really children of the devil. The lies begin in verse 48, where they call Jesus a Samaritan and say that he is a demon. Think about this. Jesus was full of grace. When the Jews mock him, when they mock him about his birth, when they say that he is a demon, When they say all these hateful things, he remains calm. He shows who he is by his response to their hostility. He's calm because he knows the grip of bondage that they are in because of their sin. That's why he has come. He knows that they can't stand to hear his words. He knows their inability. And yet this passage is full of hope because he offers freedom to all who come to him and abide in his word. And then in verse 51, he holds out this offer of salvation, of reconciliation, of everlasting life. Think about it. Those who are seeking to kill him, those who are unable to hear his word, he says this to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. He's talking about spiritual death here. He says, only if you would come to me, only if you would hear my words, if you would believe in me, I'll give you everlasting life. Sin leads to death. It separates us from God. But Jesus offers salvation. Jesus offers life. And the promise is for you here this morning as well. If you come to Jesus, if you keep his word, if you listen to what he has to say, and you believe in him, he offers forgiveness for your sins. He offers freedom from the slavery of sin, and he offers eternal life So you won't die in your sins. But unfortunately, yet again, the Jews misunderstand him. Look at verse 52. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? They ask, are you greater than our father Abraham? Again, extremely ironic. What's the answer to that question? Yep. Yes, he is greater than their father Abraham. He is greater than the prophets. Jesus says, listen, I glorify my, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. My father glorifies me. And then he goes back to Abraham. Abraham. He says in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. With this statement, truly, Truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is revealing to these Jews and to us who he really is. This is one of the most powerful and profound statements in the Gospel of John. This is a very significant moment, and here's why. Back in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses encountered God at the burning bush... Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, he says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God says to Moses, "I am the one who is. I am the covenant Lord." And that's what Jesus says in this passage. Ego and me, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus knows, and His hearers knows, that these were the exact words that God used to refer to himself back in Exodus chapter three. Jesus is saying he is God. That's why they pick up stones to throw at him. They recognize that he is claiming to be God and in their minds, this is blasphemy. instead of being in awe that God would come down to this world, instead of saying, how can it be that the God who makes my heart beat, the God who I've sinned against time and time again, has come to tell me that he brings redemption, that he brings freedom, that he brings life and light. Instead of listening to his words of truth, they speak lies and they want to stone him to death. That's a hard chapter. That's how it ends. Jesus hides himself and he leaves the temple. There's significance there. As Jesus enters the temple, the glory of God enters the temple. As Jesus leaves, the glory leaves the temple. This is a hard chapter because it reveals the consequences of rejected truth dying in your sins, being slaves to sin, being children of the devil and eternal death. So the question for all of us this morning is, have I heard the voice of Jesus in scripture and what has been my response? Am I abiding in the word of Jesus? Am I desiring to follow him To know more of the freedom that he offers? Or am I rejecting him and his word, thinking I'm fine without him? Disciples, true disciples of Jesus, abide in his word. Those who abide in his word know the truth and are free. But those who don't are in bondage to sin. And they desire to do whatever Satan wills. If you've never come to Christ, think about the consequences of rejecting Jesus. His words are true. And those who believe in him, they experience the greatest privileges in the world. Those who believe in him have the forgiveness of sins. They have freedom from the slavery of sin. They have freedom from the fear of death and adoption into God's family and the promise of eternal life. Jesus went to the cross willingly to die for the sins of those who believe in him, to give them forgiveness, to give them freedom, to give them life. But if you reject him, Jesus says you will die in your sins. You will spend an eternity in hell. If you reject Jesus, you have everything to fear because you are rejecting the great I am. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You will either know the truth and it will set you free or you will perish your sins forever. Believe in Jesus this morning. Abide in his words. Abide in Christ's words so that you would be free indeed. Those who abide in Jesus' words gain freedom of father and a savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. We have heard and seen some hard words and yet some amazing promises in this passage. Lord, we pray that you would, by your spirit, help those this morning who do not know you Help them to see the consequences for rejecting Jesus. Lord, that you would soften their hearts to see their need for him, that they would come to him and believe and abide in him. Thank you that before Abraham was Jesus, you were the great I am. Thank you that you are calling us to abide in you, to believe in you, to trust you, Help us to know the spiritual freedom that you came to give through your death on the cross.